Welcome to episode 56 of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Uh, yeah, I'm Nate Larkin, your host, uh, here with uh, the Emperor, Mondo Grimes, yes. uh, at uh, Studio A. In Studio A. Here uh, high atop the Mellow Mushroom in downtown metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee. Mm. And joining us uh, from his parking spot on the 405... <laughs> <laughs> In California is Aaron Porter, the Commodore. How are you, man? I am. Uh, I am great. The traffic has actually moved a little bit. Has it really? So that's it's pretty exciting. You know, for the 405, that is uh, that's an event. Of course, everyone then gets out and has a party, and that stops it all again. But you know, whatever. I'll I'll join in. Say, I want to hear, really, I want to get some detail about your weekend with the women's softball team in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Without well. explanation, that sounds awful and good at the same time. <laughs> oh, and these man. were not just, yeah, these were not just any women. Uh, yeah. I've been on the first leg of my 14th year sabbatical, and this is the project leg. And I'm kind of coming to the end of this five-week chunk, so I headed down to L.A., stayed with some friends, and got some writing done. And I called my cousin, who is a stunt woman. And there is a whole stunt people's softball league, mm. eight teams. And she said, yeah, we can hang out and have lunch while I come to my softball game on Saturday. And she has the only all-girls stunt team. So they're all stunt women. In oh, wow. fact, uh, one of them that I had uh, lunch with is, is the woman they call for falls over 60 feet, which oh, was an impressive smokes. number. So, yeah, I got to watch some some injuries. They didn't have a stat keeper either, so I actually got to learn how to keep softball stats. Got to be a statistician, man. I have plenty, I have I, I, plenty yeah. of experience at that myself. Yeah. <laughs> but we, but I we always got to be the statistician. I don't know why. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, we went out after with with her team to the Springbok, a, uh, a South African bar in Encino, and uh, really got to know the personality types of stunt women in Hollywood. Wow. I don't know if I want to say any more than that, because <laughs> they could all beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, man. Well, you know, it's a call to community, and yeah. community doesn't always look like you expect it to, uh, to look. That's true. Uh, but you had you had an enjoyable time with these women. You were able to bring your real self. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, during the parts of the conversations that I felt even slightly comfortable in joining in. Uh huh. Yeah. It it I it was really more like a sailors' convention a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, right. it was interesting. But the the cool part later that day went out to uh, I was staying out. Palos Verdes, and went out to the cliff and saw a pod of dolphins that was no less than 200 yards long. Teeming wow. dolphins. Wow. I have never, ever, ever seen that many dolphins in one place. Wow. They were coming back from their softball game. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. But yeah, it's been, it's been very nice. Hung out at Donald Trump's golf course mostly and just wrote in the lounge. There you go. That's nice. Well, cool, man. There, there, there's been my last few days. Now, have we done a podcast since you came back from China? I mean, I know I haven't. No, we, no, have, we have not. No, we have not. We have not. Hey, I want to so tell welcome you. welcome back from China. <laughs> thank you. It's good to be back from China. And uh, I don't think I'll do another podcast until I get back from Africa. Okay. But, uh, hey, I can tell you that Chinese men are just like um, American and European and Australian men. There you go. Um uh, you know, the cultures are different, but human beings are the same. And the Samson message resonated uh, with Chinese audiences in a very, very deep way. It was an exciting place to be. Great. Uh, 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 China is a country that is just vibrant with energy. You get the sense from the minute you step off the plane that stuff's happening here, and it's happening in a big way. Everything is big. The crowds are big. The buildings are big. The scale is just phenomenal. Um, and the church 
although most of the church is invisible, it's illegal, it's underground, uh, a registered church in China, you're allowed to have a church in China if you register it with the government, but a registered church is not allowed to instruct anybody under the age of 18. And it's largely for that reason that most Christians uh, have chosen to attend unregistered churches. Mm. Uh, And I noticed in the newspaper yesterday there were arrests yesterday in Beijing uh, of Christians. uh, And I attended uh, uh, a number of meetings that were um, illegal. Uh, But these are folks who, you know, aside from ignoring the stupid ban against meetings, uh, do believe that you're to pray for your leaders and to support the government. I didn't. These are not anti-government people by any stretch of the imagination. They're good citizens, hard-working folks, uh, men and women of faith. I, I, am, I am a little confused, though. Hmm. How, how could the Samson message resonate when they've really legislated against so much immorality? I mean, just yeah, yeah. pornography, frankly, yeah. illegal, so... Yeah. Clearly, it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, anyone, yeah. Right? You would think so. You would think that the law could solve uh, the lust problem. So here you've got, here you've got a, a, a country that that is determined uh, that their people are not going to be as decadent as the West. So uh, pornography is illegal. They have the largest internet force, uh, police force in the world. Uh, I could not get onto Facebook when I was there. I couldn't get onto the Samson site when I was there. All kinds of... Let me tell you. uh, I was in a city with uh, 220 universities in it. And virtually every uh, male attending university is looking at porn. Uh, They have found their... uh, They found found out how to get it. Uh, It's common knowledge. It's, it's a rampant problem. But what I found is that the Christian guys were not talking about it uh, with each other. Uh, that's still very much a shame-based culture, and, and the culture affects the church. Uh, and it was, it was very powerful for them when a foreigner and an elder would come in uh, and speak very openly and vulnerably about his own failure in that area. Uh, that was the greatest gift that I could give the guys I talked with. And that gave them the courage then to begin to talk with each other. Uh, so, uh, i got to be so careful. The, the moral of the story is that uh, the law does not change the heart. No. Hmm. Mm. That's, a, that's a familiar story. I can't put my finger on it. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it by the end of the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's really tearing the, tearing the heart out of Chinese... Uh, society the same way as it is ours. Uh, it's, it's taking a huge toll on relationships. Uh, China has now uh, pretty much the same divorce rate that we do in the West. And, you know, a few generations ago, divorce was almost unheard of. Uh, the culture is running pell-mell toward materialism. Everybody's after the dollar. Uh, prosperity, consumption is very, very... Uh, the rich are very rich and they show their money. Um, but uh, I've got to tell you, I was so impressed by the uh, dedication and sacrifice and, uh, and the simple, straightforward obedience of Christians. That's the, I think that's the one thing that separates the Chinese Christian from the American Christian is you tell the Chinese Christian what to do and he or she will do it. Uh, they'll execute. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we all you know, run into uh, the limits of our own willpower, and there's some things we want to do that we can't do. But uh, they are so much better than we are at obeying the simple commands of Jesus. And uh, the one warning I got (laughs) was, be careful what you tell these brothers to do, because they're just going to do it. Uh, And uh, they're going to do the same thing with Samson. They're not going to sit around and uh, discuss Mm. the path ad nauseum. Simple instruction, and they're going to carry it out. Very, very exciting trip. I'm looking forward to going back. Uh, and uh, uh, it's beautiful country, uh, and a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful trip. Awesome. Man. Hey, Mondo. So you, you are back. You've already, you've already gone on another trip, and you're about to leave to Africa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just in North Florida. We had a great 
a great three days in North Florida this week. Spoke with the Presbytery down there. Spoke at a couple uh, men's events with Mo Leverett, our good friend Mo. Yes. Uh, he was uh, my musical sidekick, set things up beautifully. Mm-hmm. And we got a just a dynamite response in uh, yeah. Ocala and Lakeland, Florida, the last couple of days. Yeah. And I uh, got a trip coming up to New York, and then uh, and then it's off to Tanzania to see whether Samson translates into African culture. Yeah, I'm betting it does. It will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Mondo, uh, uh, you've been you've been busy here in Mondo Central, haven't you? Yeah, man. Speaking of Mo, yeah, Leverett. Uh, we just completed his tenth record. Uh, no, I didn't do the other nine, but mm-hmm, his tenth mm-hmm. his tenth CD. Uh, he hired me to do it, and we just finished uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, it is in manufacturing as we speak. And uh, I guess he should get it back sometime this week. And uh, we're we're excited about it, man. And I, I, know, I sent you the early. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I sent you. You sent it to me was in, when I was in China, and yeah. there was no way I could get it in China. Yeah. But I, I got it as soon as I got back. Okay. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, I love that record. Yeah. So uh, he's now, a, for those of you for those of you that are under twenty five, what they mean by record <laughs> is a musical <laughs> album. This actually isn't like the high jump record yeah, or anything yeah, like yeah. that. If you thought he did athletic on the yeah. side, uh, it CD. is a musical compilation of songs. Yes. Put in one place. Yeah, That's yeah. what they're talking about. Thank you okay, very much. Ahead. Thank yeah. you very much. Aaron. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we just we can we just completed it, man. It's I believe it's a great project. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had a, a blast uh, working with Mo, and uh, he's excited, and we're just we want to see the response. He's a Samson guy. Yeah. Has been for some time. Yeah. Uh, we had him on the show. I can't remember what, right. what episode, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we played a few of his songs. We'll probably play one or two today. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, check out check out Mo Leverett. And you had our friend Joe Beam here. Joe Beam, yeah, we had him on episode fifty-two or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Joe Beam uh, and his company, his organization, Love Path International, uh-huh. uh, will now have their own podcast uh, recorded right here with oh. yours truly. And uh, we start uh, this Wednesday. Okay, and you're becoming uh, the podcast tycoon. Yeah, you're very I, much in demand. I, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm yeah. seeing that, man. And uh, you start, you kind of started something, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so Joe Bean will will be starting his podcast. He's doing a wonderful series. He's put together uh, eight different episodes. They're kind of in, in a in a consistent theme. Oh, nice. And uh, it's going to be some hot and heavy stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, the, the topics are. They kind of go there. The so. Christian sexologist is going to go at it. Oh, he's going to go at it, man. He's oh. going to go at it. So we're 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 in, in, a, in for a treat with some great conversation. Uh, we've also got uh, the True Sisterhood. Yeah. Constance Rhodes and the True Sisterhood. So we've we've been rocking with their podcast. They're they're about on episode twenty. This is actually pretty good for the for the ladies who may be listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, True Sisterhood is a great uh, a great podcast to listen to for you know just female uh, perspectives. And, and different uh, com- types of community that yeah. you know because these, these are forward women from different walks of life and and it's just a good a good little show and of course I'm the only guy yeah of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I like the way you set that up the yeah. view with yeah. Mondo it's the view with Mondo <laughs> yeah oh speaking of women I yeah. just got off the phone uh, about an hour and a half ago just mm-hmm. before we stepped in here yeah. with uh, Francie uh, Brown okay from. Uh, Knoxville, and she took seven ladies this last weekend uh-huh. through the 48 Hours of Frankness. Really? The guys 48 Hours of Frankness. The guys version. Okay. Yeah, unchanged, how, unaltered. Go? They just did the guys weekend. How'd it go? It went great. <laughs> That's phenomenal. They loved it and, uh, you know, came out determined to, uh, to uh, you know, maintain authentic relationship yeah. one with another and walk the path together. Yeah. I thought that was just an exciting development. And there was another group Another 48 Hours of Frankness that ran last weekend in Austin, Texas. I'm yeah. dying for news. Haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, yeah send us some emails, guys. That's know, right. You know, let and, us know. and if you're going to email us, yeah. send those, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we need your feedback. It's uh, Samson Podcast at gmail, right? At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely hit us up. Let us know, you know your, uh, your, your ideas, your suggestions, your, your heart, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on in your life. If you got any questions, if you want to... Re- have a, have a question about a previous episode or yeah. something we may have said, please send it in. All right. if you have any topic ideas for any future mini-meetings. Oh, oh this yeah. is true, yes. That's true, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a great uh, interview coming up. Looking forward to talking with Michael Dye from mm-hmm. Genesis Process yeah. about uh, relapse prevention. We'll, we'll get with Michael when we come back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arr. 
And we're here with Michael Dye, uh, author and founder of The Genesis Process in uh, Auburn, California. I've heard great things about this guy for quite a while. So pleased to have him as a guest on the pro- uh, uh, here on the podcast. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so how in the world did you get into this line of work? What, what got you into working with addicts? Well, I think, you know... Uh it's a long story that you know. Thirty years, uh, we just started working with people that were self-destructive, whether it's mental hospitals or people, you know, in mental illness, and and uh, then we began really working with uh, you know addicts and alcoholics, and it just came kept coming up as this this mystery as, and the question really that you know was the foundation to start is with Genesis is as human beings. When we want to change, why aren't we able to change? Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, even like Paul in Romans 7, you know, I think a classic example. Here's a guy who, you know, has all the strengths that humans have, the attributes that God gave us. He had willpower and discipline and faith and, and you know, and good intentions. But in Romans 7, he tells us, in my mind, I serve, you know, I want to serve the law of God. And in my behavior, I keep doing the very thing I don't want to do. And you know what he says? He makes an interesting statement. He says, well, if I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do, then it's not me doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, of course, we would say someone's in denial. You know, he relapsed last night, but it wasn't me who did it. Yeah, well, who did do it? But who, who did do it? Yeah. But what Paul is saying is there's something in me that's more powerful than the me I'm aware of. Uh-huh. And, and, and it causes me to do the very thing I don't want to do. And, of course... Freud and Skinner and you know Jung and all the psychologists have called this the unconscious mind, the subconscious mind, and they you know were able to observe that in spite of our good intentions and plans, you know, which is recovery basically and working a program, that relapse happens, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's such a mystery, and so that's where you know we really you know began to you know look at this this question uh, as how unique we are as human beings and this is one of the fun, fun you know foundational questions of genesis is that as as human beings okay that we are the only observable creatures in the universe okay that will continue to do a self-destructive behavior in spite of the consequences we will continue to overeat overwork over drink over drug and stress over sex ourselves even to the point of death and not stop. Mm-hmm. Even an ant is smarter than that. I mean, there's no <laughs> other observable creatures. I mean, really, there's no observable creatures that are like us. Yeah. There's something very unique. I mean, any animal or even an insect, if they do something that's harmful to themselves or to their colony or herd, you know, they'll learn and they'll stop it. Yeah. But with addiction, we will continue to do things, you know, that we know are, are wrong mm-hmm. and we need to do them anyway. Of course, I work with addicts, and I've had people that, you know, would go into the ER and get jump-started, you know, from overdosing, and walk right out and use again. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the question. It's not so much about relapse. It's about who we are as human beings and how we're designed. Mm. And there's something in that design that is causing us to, to malfunction. And so that was that was the mystery. You know? Yeah, and there's, yeah. There's a couple of mysteries. And so that's where we started to f- figure out uh, you know, not so much just as an addict, because you know everybody really has an addiction. When you look at the the definition of what is an addiction, mm-hmm. okay? um, an addiction is is simply when you continue to do something that you know is not good for you, and you continue to do it anyway. Then why don't you just stop? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and. You know, I do large conferences and all, and I ask the audience, I say, you know, how many here don't do anything in your life that you know is not good for you? <laughs> and so it kind of levels the playing field. You sure. see what I mean? Is you don't think, well, at least I'm not like those people, you know, addicts and all that. But everybody, you know, so the mystery is if I'm doing something I know is not good for me, whether it's food or sex or work or, you know, even too much television or something, 
then <clears throat> why don't I stop it? Yeah. You know, and that would be the logical thing to do. And, of course, you know, what they, they call that, and, of course, 12-step in, in psychology, they call that insanity. Anybody mm-hmm. who would continue to be self-destructive has to be insane. Yeah. So, you know, on that definition, we're all insane. <laughs> 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 so there's something about the way God created us as human beings Yeah. that is causing us to self-destruct. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you see the uh, you see the explanation to this kind of irrational behavior, uh, self-destructive behavior. Uh, well, somewhere deep uh, in the brain, in the limbic system. Well, yeah, it's you know, of course, of course a, a you know, a psychological, a physical, and a spiritual problem. Kind of the bottom line of it is, is that we were designed for relationships. That's the way God designed us. That's right. I mean, other creatures are designed other ways, but we are designed to function at our highest potential when we're in relationship with God and with other people. Absolutely. Of course, Jesus talks about that. You know, if you love your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your strength, and your neighbors yourself, okay, then you can forget about all the rules and laws and prophecies and all that because you're functioning as a human being. God designed us as human beings mm-hmm. to function in, in relationship. So what happens with actually the brain, I mean, we'll say a long story short, is that there's a part of us in our brain that's called the limbic system. Okay? And the limbic system is, is pretty much what the Bible calls the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay? And this limbic system has a very simple memory system. Okay? It's, it's our you know, what they call, you know, our survival you know, brain, our survival, you know, memory system. Mm-hmm. And that's why they can do experiments with rats and monkeys and all that, because that part of the brain is the same as our part of the brain. So this part of the brain just records experiences, not in words, but in survival memories and reactions that have to do with fear and pain and pleasure and reward. Mm-hmm. Okay? So anything that has to do with fear and pain, the limbic system says, avoid it. Okay. Anything that has to do with pleasure and reward, it says do it again. Okay. So when you look at how this whole system works, is when we are hurt by something, anything that hurts us, okay, that the limbic system creates an emotion called anxiety or fear. It says, "Oh, be aware of that. Don't don't do it again." Okay, mm-hmm. because that's a bad thing. And unfortunately, a hundred percent of the of this addictive fear and pain that comes in our lives comes from one area, and that's relationships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's hurt us the most. Yeah. So this limbic system, or the heart, says, okay, relationships are what hurt us, so those are the things that I have to avoid. So when I'm in hurt, you know, emotionally, you know, in a relationship, then whatever I did to to cope with that, the the... Olympic system says, oh, pleasure, reward, do it again. Mm-hmm. So there you really have the addictive brain. It says, you know, avoid anything that has to do with fear and pain. And then, of course, anything that takes away the fear and pain, you know, which we call a coping mechanism or can become an addiction, the Olympic system says, oh, that's good, that's survival, do it again. Yeah. And then, of course, all the fear and pain in our life comes from relationships. So that's what we call in Genesis a double bind. Mm-hmm. It's where the thing I need the most is also, which is you, you know, people, yeah. is also the thing I fear the most, yeah. which is people. Yeah. So how do I cope with that? Okay. And in Genesis, we call it the empty place. That there's a, a place in us, you know, that God designed for relationships. Okay. And we call it this empty place. It's kind of like an itch you can't scratch or a thirst you can't quite quench. And it's mm-hmm. only designed to be filled with relationships. So that's what really all addictions are for, you know, kind of the you know, metaphysical type bottom line of it, is all addictions temporarily anesthetize the awareness of this empty place. Yeah. Okay? So when we're not functioning as human beings anymore, we're functioning in isolation and fear, then anything we've used to cope with that, that loneliness, that emptiness, okay, uh, it becomes habitual. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, the, the short version of, of the, 
uh, you know how the how this works. So the bottom bottom line, I have a lot of bottom lines, but always <laughs> always fighting to get to be who's the bottomest bottom line. And so to make this real simple, and also show you how you prevent relapse and what real recovery is. Well, first let me tell you, you know. The, what the difference is between sobriety and recovery. Mm. And that's an important function. Sobriety is just abstinence. Yeah. It's not doing it again. And and most people call, you know, recovery is what they're really talking about is sobriety. Mm-hmm. But the word recovery, what it actually means is to return to a former healthy state. Mm. To become the person you were before you got hurt and wounded and the limbic system set up coping and emotions and mechanisms to avoid it and how to cope with it and that's what recovery is when you get hit by a truck you don't try to become a new person you try to recover to become the person you were before you get hit by the truck yeah and people with severe addictions you know i've worked with it for many years you know they got nailed in the womb and then it went downhill from there yeah and and so it's you know that's how deep you know these survival behaviors you know have become so the goal you know is not to stay sober sobriety is just the first step and necessary step in order for you to get into recovery mm-hmm. and that's what genesis is about is this process of working on what drives self-destructive behavior okay. now one of the bottom lines of genesis is with addiction, the simpler you make it, the more powerful it is, yeah. and the more effective it is. So you look at all addiction is self gratification, right? You know, you, they, people can think about that for a while. Try to think of an addiction that is not self gratification. Okay. So if all addiction is self gratification, okay, then all recovery is going to be what? Okay. It's going to be learning to get those needs met instead of self-gratifying through relationships with God and other people. Uh, and that's, that's recovery. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so simple. It just makes so much sense. Okay? So really, the process of recovering, so you just don't have to you know, go to meetings for the rest of your life in order to you know, cope with the cravings, and we'll talk about what a craving is, that the process of recovery is a process of learning to trust again. Yeah. And if you're not in a process of learning to trust again, you're not really in recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason you can't do recovery alone. Right. <laughs> it just it just doesn't work, you see, because of what's broken. Mm. So that was a long answer to your question, wasn't it? <laughs> Thank you so much. You just you just said uh, you said a lot more than you said. You said a ton right there, Michael. And yeah, I know our listeners are going to want to listen uh, to that segment of this podcast over and over again to just mine. Well, I also have the some, uh, some some YouTube videos we just did. They're trying to make me more modern, which is a struggle for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so if we look up Michael Dye D Y E on YouTube, no, uh, yeah, I think if you look up yeah Michael Dye our Genesis process. Okay. On YouTube, and there's about five or six video, you know, short videos, about ten minutes long, yeah. where I try to explain some of this stuff, you know, the brain and all that. Yeah, all yeah. So. Well, let's say, but, let's say I'm a member of the Samson Society, and uh, I've identified what my favorite addictive behaviors are. It doesn't right. matter whether it's sexual acting out, or whether I'm a rageaholic, or a workaholic, or a drug addict, or a food addict, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, pretty much all the same. Right. Yeah. Isn't that true? It is. It's uh, all the same. Yeah. It's all the same place in the brain. Yeah. And I'm uh, when I come in, I'm all focused on the behavior, and I really think that, uh, you know, I come in for sin management. I want to be able to control this behavior. Uh, and uh, let's say I put together a few weeks or even a few months of abstinence. I'm feeling really good. Yeah. Uh, good. But I'm uh, but I'm cruising for a relapse, and I don't even know it. That's right. What are the what are the marks of relapse? Well, I mean, it's hard to get. That was the mystery. Is you know all the clients I work with over the years who relapse, and of course I took it very seriously because with my clients, and I was a director of several you know large rehabs, that sometimes they relapse, they died. Mm-hmm. 
or they went to prison for the rest of their lives. You know, they're court ordered and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, a relapse was a pretty serious thing. And, you know, I saw people with all sorts of good intentions just self destruct. So that was the mystery is how can we identify a relapse, you know, days, weeks, or even months before they, what we call a dry relapse, before they actually, you know, relapse. And so in studying the brain and then studying hundreds of clients, we came up with a genesis process, and there's there's two sets of books really. There's the the relapse prevention uh, genesis process, which is mostly used in rehabs, and that's that's a book that people go through with a trained genesis counselor. It's not something you can do by yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote two other books, which are genesis for groups, and which actually they're using a lot with sex addiction now. Uh, but those are written more for church people, mm-hmm. and and those are groups that uh, uh, people can do and, uh, and, and understand this, this phenomenon of relapse. But the bottom line of it is, <clears throat> is that whatever speeds up your body, okay, mm-hmm. dulls the awareness of both physical and emotional pain. So we start using the very drugs that we relapse on in our brain before weeks before we ever, you know, relapse, and we're already getting loaded on the same neurochemicals, and we don't even know it. Oh, we found example, another. Have we found another way to get uh, maybe smaller doses of the same chemical? Yeah, <clears throat> in some ways, not even smaller doses, even larger doses. But for example, you know, give you an example of how the faster scale works. I think it was on my website. I may have put a faster scale on the handout there that people can. Uh, can look at it, but it's it's really the reason that Genesis has gone around the world. It took me over ten years to write this one page of being able to observe the neurochemical changes in the brain into clients' behaviors and identify them. But for example, anxiety. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Anxiety neurochemically is almost exactly the same as cocaine. Mm. <clears throat> so. It speeds up the body. And see, drugs and alcohol don't do anything to you. They only manipulate your own neurochemicals into either producing more of it or inhibiting the reuptake of neurochemicals. And, of course, the main neurochemical that we all use, whether with drugs or with our our self-destructive behavior, is dopamine. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what cocaine and amphetamines and anxiety and anger and gambling and sex addiction. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm a dopamine you, freak. I know it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, me too. I'm an adrenaline freak. I've taken it to another level. You yeah. I've raced motorcycles and all that. And, and you know, uh, adrenaline, which is norepinephrine, is the next step of a higher high than dopamine. You oh, see I see. what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and, of course, the, probably the the most powerful anesthetic that we have is anger. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so people will go down this faster scale from, you know, from little things that are more exciting, like anxiety or changing priorities, not going to meetings, you know, into speeding up and workaholism and, you know, not eating during the day, and, you know, all these symptoms that go down. Until they get to a place of anger, one of the last stages of it, okay, and then, you know, and then they start using anger because anger, you know, makes you feel invincible. Okay? Yeah, and and like for example, you know, with anger, you can't be wrong and angry at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a protective personality. Then the last stage is what we call exhaustion. Okay? And then once you've burned up all these neurochemicals, then and you're out of them, then that's where depression starts to set in. Yeah. Which is, depression is basically a, a way that the brain shuts down so you can rebuild these coping chemicals again for two or three days. So once you get to exhaustion, okay, then <clears throat> you can't cope anymore. So the limbic system, the survival brain, starts saying, wow, if you can't, you can't cope, then you can't survive. So it starts to create what we call it, a very unique emotion which is the core of addiction, called a craving. Mm. And a craving is an emotion that is only produced where real or imagined survival is at stake. Ah. 
You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay? So we have natural cravings. We'll get into that. If you know, remember. Um, but it creates a craving in order for what you need to do to, to cope. So that's where cravings come from. So, you know, cocaine or sex or drugs or, you know, whatever, anger, you know, rageaholic, whatever it is, is, is the relapse and the craving for relapse uh, comes from exhaustion. So the cool thing about this knowledge is, which is the books are written, you know, is how to apply all this knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. What good is it? What good is knowledge if you can't apply it? And it's it's how simple it is. If you can prevent craving, you can prevent relapse. Mm. So if you can identify the behaviors up in the anxiety section or change in priority section, you know, where they're first starting to turn away from recovery into a new priority, if you can identify those behaviors with the clients, which is what we do in the Genesis counseling process, okay, and you can do an intervention way up there, the client cannot get to relapse. Uh-huh. See? Because they can't get the craving. Now, cravings, and we'll talk about sex addiction because it's so rampant in the church, and you know why it's so rampant in the church. But, I mean, when I started to stop working with, you know, addicts so much, I'm working with church people now, you know. It, oh, it, there's a difference? Oh, big time. You know? <laughs> Big okay. time. It, yeah. All my counselors say, oh, Michael, you warned me. I should have listened to you. Church people are so much harder to work with than yeah. addicts. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows that. Okay? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, this sex addiction thing with the church people, there's a reason why that 50 to 70% of church men are struggling or have lost the, the battle with chronic masturbation and pornography. Yeah. Okay? And you know, sex addiction. One third of pastors. Uh-huh. These are the lower numbers of it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard higher so, numbers. Yeah. So why is that so much more prevalent with church people than it is with a normal population? You know, good question, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, What's your theory? Well, well, I can tell you. You know, it's more than a theory, but <laughs> it's why it happens. But let's get into <clears throat> a little bit explaining what's broken first. Okay. Because the limbic system only produces this emotion craving, right? Yeah. For three areas that they've been able to research and study. Okay? And the three areas are food, sex, and safety. Right. Okay. So we have natural cravings for food, called right. hunger. Okay. We have natural cravings for sex, which is called, we can't say that on the air probably, so we call it. Sex cravings. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> a simpler word for it. Okay. All right. And then you have cravings for safety, which means you know if I'm upset or you know there's a storm coming or something, I you know I focus on that in order to get get you know safe again. Right. And of course, can you think of any addictions that are outside of those areas? Okay. So the safety one takes in all the drugs and alcohol because I'm feeling anxious or depressed today. I'll take a drink or a drug. And now I feel okay. Now I feel safe again. Now I feel safety. I can cope. Right. So this is one reason why the lowest recovery rates are for food and sex. Mm. Because they're natural cravings. Uh. And now that those cravings have been perverted in the brain, okay, and you're getting false cravings when you don't really, you know, need sex mm-hmm. or you're not really hungry, okay, then it'd be like telling an alcoholic, yeah, you can have, you have to have like one shot of tequila a day and that's it. Okay? Right. Doesn't work. And so that's why sex addiction is so uh, difficult, of course, you know, uh, because it's a natural craving, so you can have a natural craving, but now that it's been perverted into other areas than what it was naturally mm-hmm. for, it's, 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 it's more difficult. And so the recovery rates in those areas are usually around 5%. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, so that's, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult. And there's so many things that... The sex addiction is is destroying families and, and churches, and it just you know the enemy is you know taking a uh, you know this natural thing, and we just become a sex a sexually obsessed society. Yeah. Uh, because it's 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 a way to way to cope, and one of the ways that the limbic system, especially when sex addiction happens early, of course, the average age of first 
exposure to pornography is is 11 years old. Yeah. So it's even pre, you know, pre-puberty, you know, uh, kinds of kinds of things. So what happens with the brain is when you have this pornography, the brain uh, begins to be diseased, as we would say it, and confuses lust with love. Yeah. So every time we have natural, you know, God-given cravings for, you know, our needs for intimacy and relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, remember gratification, you know? Instead right. Of, instead of having those natural needs for closeness and intimacy and communication and, and you know, and, and safe relationships, we what's produced is the emotion lust. Yeah. So the brain doesn't know between lust and love anymore. Yeah. When we need love, it produces lust. Yeah. So, you know, that's part of what Genesis is all about, is how do you, how do you change this? You know mm. what I mean? But this limbic system, the interesting part about it, is what the Bible calls the heart. Think of all the mysteries that we have about the heart. You know, music, poetry, all the things in the Bible. You know, we talk about this thing called the heart. But it's not the thing that's beating in our chest, is it? The thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see what I mean? Yeah. And 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 of course, Paul talks about that in in Romans ten. It is kind of the key to it. And I'll just make it real brief. It says, you know, he says that that the word is in your mouth and in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead you will be saved. And this is the key to it. He says, for with a heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. Yeah. So you look at that. So our belief systems, which are unconscious, yes. are in this place called the heart. Okay? And then the result of that, those belief systems, are our behavior. Yeah. So if you say, you know, with a heart a person believes, which results in righteousness. So, in other words, our our behaviors are the results of belief system. Yeah. And if you want to change the belief system, which is, I mean, the behavior, you have to change the belief system. Yeah. They're unconscious in our heart. And that's where re- recovery really happens. Yes. I'm recovering to become the person I was before I got hurt. And the belief system came up and says, I can't trust anybody. You know, if I'm vulnerable, I'll get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so that those are isolating belief systems, and I have to learn to self-gratify. So if I'm going to get in recovery rather than just have to go to meetings for the rest of my life to deal with the cravings, then I'm going to have to, you know, get to the cause of my behavior right. rather than spend a lifetime of trying to uh, control the effects which isn't really very effective. Right, 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 right. I'm going to need to find and join a a healing community and allow the work of the Spirit in my heart through relationship, learn to trust again. That's right. I trust Christ. I trust the body of Christ. Yeah. I don't trust the body of Christ. I know, I'm learning. Maybe yeah. you do, but you know, most people that have gone to church, yeah. you know, regular churches with yeah. severe addictions and sex addiction have gotten nailed. Oh, yeah. Actually, the, the church is one of the least safe places. Absolutely. Uh, to, I'm, to I'm, deal I'm, with this because, you know, they, you know, the reason is because basically they don't have a code of ethics. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go to your pastor with, you know, your pornography problem, uh, there's no confidentiality, and I mean, I had people who went to their pastor for help, you know, the guy and his wife, you know, and several of these stories. Yeah. And they got excommunicated in, in yeah. front of the 500 people on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, blindsided. Yeah, yeah. So the church is, unfortunately, is one of the least safe places yeah. in order to get help when you have shameful secrets. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to draw a distinction between the visible church and the body of yeah, Christ. Yeah. And the, but uh, if it, uh, if it basically takes two things for a church or a person to be safe for for hurting people. Okay? Yeah. Okay, one thing is grace, yes. of course. Which is, you know, you're not going to be judged, you know, punished, you know, mm-hmm. you know, 
gossip about, you know, it has to be it has to be safe grace. But the other thing, and some churches have the grace, okay? Yeah. But the other thing that makes it safe for me to reveal my secrets there is what most churches don't have, which is confidence. Yeah. See, for, for me to reveal my secrets and take the risk, I have to believe that you have the knowledge, the education, the experience, and and the program that's going to work yeah. for me to, uh, you know, to, to take the risk yeah. of, of exposing my sinful or my, you know, uh, addictive behavior. And so that's what these new books are designed to do is, you know, and that's, you know, kind of my mission now is how do we make churches safe for wounded people? That's fantastic. And confident, you know, and successful. Well, so, Michael, I cannot... <laughs> uh, I have a, I have the idea that we could have a uh, we we could talk for hours and I hope that okay, I, uh, I, I, I teach this for forty hours it sounds like crazy yeah. so, <laughs> I don't have, I have the lack of speeches yeah <laughs> I hope you'll I hope you'll join us again in the future uh, in the meantime thank you so much for giving up part oh, of your welcome. day and and sharing with uh, our listeners here on the Pirate Monk podcast about okay, people. People can get uh, more information from my website, which is just genesisprocess.org. And no. it has a YouTube links on there and, and some explanations of how this stuff works. All right. That was going to be my next question. Genesisprocess.org. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or Google Michael Dye uh, or uh, the Genesis Process. And uh, go to YouTube. And yeah, but don't don't call me for counseling. <laughs> <laughs> and jo- and Michael Michael's telephone you number is. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 don't don't do that. <laughs> now, uh, go ahead, look at Michael's stuff, and then contact your local Samson Society because there is a safe yeah, place. A, there's right? a map on there. There's a map on the website now. It shows that some of the places that are doing Genesis, you know, especially the groups and all, oh, they're especially using this for sex addiction now. Which they were designed for that, but they're you know finding a lot of success with you know working on you know the causes rather than the symptoms. All right, so. terrific. Well, Lord bless you, Michael. Thank you right. so very much. All right, thank you. Take these tears, this throbbing pain. These grinding fears This darkest stain And make it go Long hard years that you ordain like a mist appears or falls like a rain. Make it go. Well, what a what a great conversation that was with a fellow, a real veteran of work with addicts. This is a guy who's worked with addicts of all kinds, and it means something when Michael Dye says we're all the same. Yeah. Man, oh man, really struck a chord with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I could tell just over the telephone, Aaron, that you were <laughs> resonating with everything he said. <laughs> Why are we laughing? We're laughing because you were not on the phone during the interview. <laughs> That's why. But it was laughing. one of the best interviews I've never been a part of. <laughs> believe me, believe me, brother. Yeah, man. You're gonna you're gonna want to play this one. Yeah. And then you're gonna want to drive to Auburn, California, wherever that is. Uh, it's on the way to Tahoe, between Sacramento and Tahoe, on the 80. Is it really beautiful? It's beautiful there. Love Auburn. 
okay, I'm feeling a call right now to go to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is the leading of the Holy Spirit. I am to go uh, to Auburn yes. and spend some time Yeah, on my way to Tahoe. That's right. Hi, <laughs> I'm coming with you. All right. A road trip from San Luis. It's a deal. It's a deal. Yeah. Allie and I will fly into uh, you know, San Jose or someplace, and then, uh, yeah, we'll visit you guys in uh, San Luis, and then we'll go to Auburn, yep. and then we'll go to uh, Tahoe. Yeah. Sound good? Perfect. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. So what, so what we got going on? We got on? a special song, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about yeah. the guy that wrote this song. Yeah, okay. We're going to close. I think we're going to close the show out now with uh, a new song by Jamie Bennett. Actually, the song is by uh, Royal Ruckus. Royal Ruckus, okay. Uh, and Jamie is uh, a member of that duo. Jamie, Jamie is also a Samson guy. Okay. Who, uh, during part of his uh, time when he lived here in in Franklin actually lived in the Samson house. Okay. Uh, very active in the Samson Society here and wrote the song in the Samson house. Uh, I'm, let's let him kind of describe the song and, and we'll take the show out with You Are Not. And so we got Jamie Bennett on the phone. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Nate. It's good to be with you. Now, you're the guy who left Franklin and moved to Hawaii. Uh, right? And lived on the beach for a couple of years. And then for some reason, moved, I mean, of your own free will, to Philadelphia. Yeah. I know, it's it's hard to believe. Yeah. Now I'm on the concrete streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. What took you to Philadelphia? Be honest, be honest. Well, somehow I went and fell in love over the internet. Yeah, and, that was it. You know I felt like 6,000 miles was a long distance. It was that, Allison, and I, we've had a chance to meet Allison. She's, uh, she's, worth, yeah. moving, she's, she's worth moving to Philadelphia for. And, uh, oh, you, definitely. Uh, you guys are engaged. And, uh, it's, uh, when, when's, when, when are the nuptials going down? Have you, have you set a date? Yes, we did. We're looking for September 17th. Okay. On my birthday. Yeah. There you go. The day I turned 55. <laughs> The day my life yeah, ends, his you, life you know? starts. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Isn't that, uh, yeah. Is that when you qualify uh, for senior citizen status? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Royal Ruckus is putting out a new album. It's been a few years, but rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Is about to hit the shelves. And there's yes. a there's a song on there that you wrote. Uh, while living in the Samson House here in Franklin, what, tell us about the song. Uh-huh. We're gonna we're gonna play it for the for the listeners as we as we uh, exit the show. Yeah, it's called Samson. You are not, and it was written with a friend of mine from North Carolina. We've been talking about writing a song together for at least ten years, and he came up and was visiting at the Samson House, and we were talking about. Samson Society and how it was making a difference in my life and talking about the Silas relationship and that just kind of worked its way into the song we decided to write and it's uh, it's it's actually like a Silas conversation mm-hmm. and I'm I'm talking to him it's it's sort of written like in the early stages of coming into Samson where you you are just barely experiencing recovery um, you're you're starting to see new life, but um, you know maybe still hanging on to to guilt or yeah. fear of of freedom. Yeah. And he, you know, and and so in the song, I I beat myself down, and he essentially says, "No, no, you're not that man. Uh, you're better than that." And um, yeah. and I, I, you know, I love you as a brother, and the and the father loves you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, that's really where the song is coming from. And isn't that isn't that so often the main job of a Silas to to point out mm-hmm. and affirm a man's true self, uh, his true identity? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, b- before we play the song, uh, you've been instrumental in getting a Samson group started there in Philly. How are things working? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Um, uh, basically, a couple of—I mean, there, there are several groups here in the area, but we—we we wanted to. I ran into a guy through the internet, through the website, actually, uh, who had just moved here around the same time as me, and uh, Ryan Gibson from Knoxville, mm-hmm. and we wanted to start a group in 
northwest Philly. And so we just started getting together every week for beers and having Silas-type conversations, just the two of us. And pretty soon, you know, a couple more guys started trickling in. Now we've got uh, we've got a small group in the fairly early stages, but pretty solid uh, dedication. Uh, every Monday night, we we get together and. Um, after the meeting, we walked down to the tavern, and great evening. That's fantastic. Great to hear it. All right. Well, Jamie, uh, I love you. I really love you. Love you too, man. And uh, so proud of you and so happy for you. And uh, and so pleased to share with the listeners of the Pirate Monk Podcast, Samson. You are not that man. I'm still in search of people ordinary. Those who share my stuff and still want to hear me. A few to carry the burdens on my back. The kind of friend who loves me with no strings attached. But it seems I get attacks from those who know my story. And if they don't have the very own purgatory. So I try to ignore the neck about upon my mind. That my eyes are open to the sin. But they are blind. Cause I'm the one that's messed up. The one who's acted out. I'm the screwed up the kid who's devout in his doubts. I'm the unfaithful. I'm the no good imposter. I'm the man who's on his Not gonna quit, not gonna lose, not gonna waste time